Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to a Sunday night edition. For those of you listening on the free feed, get a look at some of the more granular topics that we've been getting into here on Dunked on Prime. We're, of course, doing this for all six of the divisions. But we're going to begin with the Philadelphia 76ers in the Atlantic Division going through basically every relevant piece of information that we can think of coming on to the trade deadline. Also a reminder that we are running our special mock trade deadline sale you can get all of the mock trade deadline which will be out within the next two weeks or so here which is a great way to get us into trade season and of course you will also get our analysis of every single transaction as well over the next few weeks heading into trade season so i encourage you to check that out there's a link of course in the description of this podcast let's start here with the sixers Uh, of course we'll focus on ben simmons but first uh, we need to talk about their financial situation we do so the sixers at the moment are 6.3 million but you know about that over over the tax line and they do technically have a trade exception from the al horford deal 8.2 million which they could use i don't particularly expect them to but potentially as a facilitator especially if there were a trade potentially involving ben simmons where they net lost some salary maybe maybe Maury could consider that as a way to to add somebody and of course moving Ben Simmons is the first priority and we'll talk about that in plenty of substance but there are other potential you know like there are other priorities and that's part of why this deadline is so pivotal for Daryl Morey is that there are other things that he at least could want to do one of those being moving Tobias Harris which has already come up in plenty of rumors and then there's also the lingering question, which would probably tie in with Harris and or Simmons, is reducing their overall tax burden, You're not necessarily even for this year, but moving forward, potentially clearing up their books or anything like that. And so there's and potentially, you know, getting better as Joel Embiid has, you know, he's had more points than minutes played in his last four games. So making the most of this window, however wide it is for however long it is. Yeah. And Daryl uh, had yet another opus uh, on Philly local radio last week discussing his potential plans for trading Ben Simmons and he said he thought it's less than likely that Ben Simmons would be traded and that there are deals out there that they would want to do even with say a a team like Sacramento but that of course those teams are are not that into that yet and he again reiterated this uh, idea that he had another really interesting statement so basically the analogy that he was making was going from the seventh best championship odds to the sixth best championship odds boosting your chances at a championship by a couple of percentage points doesn't do much for you because they're not good enough he said they're we're not good enough defensively we're not good on enough on the boards we're not good enough in transition and he basically said 
because Joel is playing so well, that's even more impetus to not make some deal that he thought it would be incrementally improving them. And I think that's, there is something to that. And particularly with the emergence of Tyrese Maxey, who's fallen off a little bit of late, but there really hasn't been anyone floated that could possibly be available for Simmons right now that would really move the needle. And Daryl did say, you know, they talked about a top 25 player. It's like, well, now that Joel's playing so well, maybe a top 40 player that would be a really good fit. Maybe that could be enough. So there's this uh, a little bit of comedy where this uh, getting into this level of exactitude with some of the numbers that he's throwing around is maybe a little hyper specific. But I think he's getting a point across, which does, I would say, I mean, th- it makes sense to me, right? It do, would you be handling this any differently from what Daryl says he's doing? Not particularly. I I think, though, that there there is one potential lingering problem with aiming so high. And I understand the theory behind it, which is you only get really one bite at this apple. And Tobias Harris is a negative value contract, so you're not going to use him to bring in this high-level player, which is use that to get to get the other guy. The problem is how do you how does Ben Simmons become more valuable or more interesting to teams over time? One solution there, and it seems like this is what Daryl Morey is thinking, is that additional players could be available. And those additional players could like within his acceptable range. And thus maybe those teams are interested in Simmons rather than Simmons becoming a more valuable commodity. He is just becomes an available commodity to more now interested teams. But if that is not the case, you know, if let's say, you know, something goes differently or just like the Blazers aren't interested in Simmons to pair, you know, if they aren't interested in a Lillard Ben Simmons core foundation of a trade or the Wizards, you know, keep Bradley Beal, which it certainly seems like they intend to. That is a potential challenge for him where it's like, okay, you want you want something better than what you're getting. But if you can't get something better than the offers that you're getting, wasting time really makes a material effect because Joel Embiid is damn good right now. Yeah, and I think, again, I, I go back to the emergence of Maxi to where, okay, getting just some primary ball handler who would be pretty good, your CJ McCollum type of player, that's really not that much of an upgrade anymore. You can't look at this team and be like, okay, yes, everything else is so awesome on this team, like back when they had Ben Simmons, that if we could just add someone like this, maybe he's not that great, but he fills this role that we just didn't have and the fit was so good. And now we're a championship contender. If you're also subtracting Simmons, I, I think that, that Daryl makes a pretty good point that, yeah, they're not that that good defensively. They're not that good on the boards. They're not that good in transition. And they're not, they also just don't have star power outside of Embiid. Those are all things that, that are true at this moment. And I hear you completely on the, how is Ben Simmons value going to go up? aspect and I think it really is much more about the availability of other players than Ben Simmons Ben Simmons while there are varying opinions around the league on his value he has the most appeal to these teams I mean what are the three teams that have been banning about the most Sacramento who have now said no we are not trading De'Aaron Fox Indiana and Minnesota all teams that are kind of around the middle of the league or or at least hoping to be and Ben Simmons uh, could really help that sort of team a lot Ben Simmons as your second best player I think Philly has learned that that's that's not going to get you there and but Ben Simmons is still a better contract than just a flotsam contract to most teams like he is still 
someone that maybe not an unbelievable asset on that deal that has three years left and pays started at 30% of the salary cap. Well, and as a more practical consideration there, how often does a player of Ben Simmons caliber actually hit free agency? You know, like the cap space is a lot less valuable at this point because all these guys are getting extended and you can make an argument that most of them weren't going to Team X in the first place. But that is a there is a bird in the hand element of this that could be useful for a team that isn't a potential free agent suitor. No, that's an excellent point as well. I mean, he still is a very good player, which those teams don't really have a chance to add as we're talking about. But then also, as I was starting to get to, he's really the only bullet in terms of matching salary, because if you want to match it with Tobias Harris, now you're also having to pay the team off to take Harris before you even get into that team getting positive value. The Sixers are out one first round pick in the future. I think the deal that they're ultimately envisioning is Ben Simmons plus a bunch of other stuff to get the guy who's better than Ben Simmons. And if you move Simmons now, even if you're able to get back some other stuff, maybe that's not as appealing because now that team is likely going to have to take on Tobias Harris as well to make the salaries match. And that's something that 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 team might not be interested in. So I think it's really more, yes, teams are interested in Ben Simmons. He's a solid player, but I think it's almost more from Daryl's perspective that Ben Simmons is it's the fact that he isn't negative salary even more so than perhaps that he's just like so good it's going to get such a great trade return on his own it's that you're then also throwing in all this stuff in addition to Simmons and that's how you get there to potentially having the best offer for one of these other players yeah it's a it's a really fascinating set of decisions and a a big a big factor in it of course is what is truly available what other teams are interested what kind of offers out there and there was that the conversation he had about how there's like there is a trade possible the Sacramento Kings is like yeah Sacramento has a fair amount of intriguing talents and they have players that could help the Philadelphia 76ers Jaron Fox Harrison Barnes key chief among them I mean Halliburton of course could too but how many of those are money McNair really going to put on the table now I, that is an is an open question and sure we've talked a fair amount about Lillard and Beal as potential targets but maybe the ending of this campaign the 21-22 campaign shakes somebody surprisingly we've seen that happen before maybe this is what leads to the dissolution of the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum pairing and then Ben Simmons becomes interesting maybe Brad Stevens has has uh, an idea of how that could work or somebody that we're not really foreseeing like that's the type of thing that happens in the NBA is that things shake loose and there aren't many things loose right now so maybe that's the benefit of waiting and historically those transactions are more likely to occur during the off season sure i mean sorry and there's there's a big there's a big reason why which is every team's season ends in disappointment but one and so you whether it's that you get knocked out in the second round and you have an existential crisis or you don't even make the playoffs or the play in in the first place whereas right now there are a lot of teams that have a version of optimism and they're like we could do it or there's the weird situation of the blazers with with lord where i don't know what to describe that as but it doesn't seem like a little trade is super duper likely. so i guess the the next question is is of players who have been reported to be available is there any deal that seems realistic as of this moment that you would actually do now if if you were daryl i would not do it for cj mccollum that's one that's been bandied about plenty because cj's older and he's already been he's already i mean the injury that he dealt with you don't worry about it recurring but it's it's still significant it was a reminder of me miss me missed time last season as well remember he had that super awesome start so I would, and he's on a, he's on a contract that concerns you too, like the, the, that you could run into that. De'Aaron Fox for me is a more interesting conversation because Fox disappointing 
to my standards this year, but young enough and talented enough for this to for the struggles this year to be an aberration and or for him to be better than he's been. Let's not even say it, use aberration, be better than he's been. So I think that's an interesting one. And I can't remember the exact terms of the Pistons offer. That's the other one that's kind of been more substantially reported. Yeah, I don't know that Jeremy Grant is a great centerpiece for me either. I think to me, the only one, you know, and maybe if it's Grant plus you know two Detroit first it just don't those would have to have a lot of protection on them for sure if I'm Troy Weaver I think yes it has recently been reported that no Fox is supposedly not going to be traded but circling back on that I would imagine that the Sixers were like okay yeah we'll give you a Simmons for Fox give us two first round picks as well and they're like uh no so I I would be willing to consider something along the lines of Fox for Simmons straight up I, I think because Fox fits on more teams somewhat similar a little bit of a a, a young player on a max contract a little bit of a distressed asset at the moment but still has some potential so i think i would be willing to do it for fox there's no one else really that's purportedly been available that i would be interested in and obviously you have to get into a big war about what other assets are going to be involved if any blah 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 but i think if it ultimately came down to it i think i would go i would do it for deer and fox straight up because fox still he still gives you that out of later being part of a bigger deal at where at least you can hope he wouldn't be too distressed when asset now he could get to philly and fail as well right like at least at least you know ben simmons maybe the appeal of ben simmons is that is at least his trade value isn't getting any worse because he's not going to play for you that that was part of the reason why i was saying they should really try to move him hard as soon as they could in the offseason because i thought he would come back and play for them and there was a chance that he might just be terrible again this year and of course that was solved by him not playing i mean there's a thought potentially that simmons not trading might actually have ended up being good for or not playing might even have ended up being good for philly in the end but of course we'll have to see how this turns out is that enough on simmons or or is there anything so the only thing i wanted to, to toss back to you is would you do that fox for simmons trade if you were money mcnair and the kings Oh, I would want to have, I mean, we talked about this, of course, on the Pacific Division preview. I would want to have a pretty good understanding of Ben Simmons' health situation, that he wanted to be there and all, all that stuff. I'd, I'd want to know how good I felt about De'Aaron Fox's shooting behind the scenes and whether this 25% thing is a slump or not. I'm just so much lower on Simmons than it seems like anyone else, even now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would uh, in the end. Uh, but, you know, because it, it does, I guess probably the biggest reason for that is it's just where the hell are you going with Ben Simmons anyway? Right. That's that's the, the reason I would be really reluctant as Sacramento is that it doesn't it doesn't change your path and it doesn't change your destiny. So yeah. why? But but, you know, you've got Halliburton and Heald would be a pretty nice looking backcourt around Simmons and you could bring in Davion Mitchell as the third guard you're holding you could, on he, he could also I mean situation. centers are more important to it but Simmons would also help create a defensive identity in a way that I don't think De'Aaron Fox does uh no I think we can safely say that and yeah Rashawn Holmes is not the greatest fit with Simmons on the offensive end they would probably turn into more of a defensive team I may maybe you're just taking a chance that Ben Simmons could be more offensively not necessarily as you know some three-point shooter is standing in the corner but actually attack more off the dribble be a guy that you can put the ball in his hands more in which case the fact you know if you could put the ball in his hands more at the end of games then the fact that Holmes can't shoot as well doesn't become as big of an issue now we've been waiting for all this for Simmons for a long time but he claims that he never had a chance to grow in Philly and blah 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 
slide. I don't know that he's going to change his stripes on that. I wouldn't necessarily want to bet on it. It's it's kind of six and one half dozen the other, I guess, at this point. Um, for for me, it, if I'm Money McNair, I, I I don't feel great about it either way. I don't feel great about either player on their contract right now, but each of them still could outperform that potentially if they get back to close to levels of performance they've shown in the past or make improvements that might be realistic for most players. But then again, Ben Simmons, who knows? One other note on the Simmons front is that I'm interested in whether the purported interest in James Harden affects their thinking at all here because would a you know in all likelihood a theoretical Harden addition to the Sixers would be would be negotiating with the Nets I think it's practically it's it's not impossible but it's exceedingly difficult for Philly to clear sufficient cap space to sign Harden outright they would involve moving presumably Simmons and Harris teams with cap space there aren't enough teams anything like that so let's if we do that, then you're saying, OK, we have to we have to talk about this also like one of the potential additions is James Harden. And that could be that would be done with the Nets and De'Aaron Fox, you know, if it's the repackaging idea and you prefer Harden to Fox at that point. I don't know how much interest Sean Marks has in him. Now, maybe you could move De'Aaron Fox for something else and then move that for James Harden, but that could be difficult. I think I don't. Simmons is, is a hard guy to calibrate value on for an individual human being, like how much does Sean Marks like Ben Simmons? But at least he's a conceptual fit with what Brooklyn's intending to do. Yeah, um, it, it just, it, I, I the problem that Ben Simmons at last report it was not vaccinated is a little bit of a problem for the Brooklyn Nets uh so that that'll have to get resolved as well as as am I think if you're the Nets still you want to see what this Harden KD Kyrie thing can do even though it appears snake but maybe it'll never happen but uh, with that standing out there now of course James Harden uh you know starting at uh 46 million a year on a new contract even if you're signing him out right on a sign or, or if you're getting him on a sign and trade that's I don't know how good I feel about that. I'm not sure that James Harden after this year is going to be a top 25 player. I don't like I, I was particularly if he can't beat guys in isolation, which he really needs to. Maybe you'll say, hey, if he, he can run pick and roll with Embiid all day because you can't switch on Embiid and therefore you you open up the pick and roll game for him. I just I haven't liked the way how Harden's finishing game has declined all, all that. I, I don't know that he's a, a it, it would, all, it would also either. create a boatload of defensive problems because you pretty much have to switch in a hardened defense and you don't want to switch in an Embiid defense. Very good point. And, but I'm sure they might say, hey, you know what? Maybe there's Harden can get into awesome shape and rediscover his magic for one year. And then we're right there. And yeah, you know what? We'll, that one year we'll buy that with uh, some decrepitude uh, at the end of the contract. Uh, So should we turn to just what else Philly might do other than Ben Simmons, if anything? Sure. The problem is that it's a challenge with their kind of, not only their salary structure, but just the, their roster to make moves on the margins because so yeah you could use you could use some of that Horford trade exception they have some potentially interesting young guys if you wanted to go on the lower end maybe like Jaden Springer and Isaiah Joe could make Hollinger sad and include B-ball Paul Reed or Bassey but are those guys really you know like especially with the Sixers being out that first they could make a different move like they could trade additional first but so like are you, are you really going to get somebody in that salary range and Harris and Simmons make too much money for that sort of deal. Maybe you could do something involving Danny Green if you really wanted to. He doesn't have any guaranteed money after this year, but I think Danny Green helps them. So it, well, uh, well, that's interesting. You know, Green, he's 
been in and out of the lineup. It seems like maybe he's not going to be returning to the starting lineup. They don't really have any kind of a three, though, so that I'm sure they'd love for him to come back and play 25 minutes a game, but he could potentially get them out of the tax. Yeah, which that's would be another possibility. For their six million above the tax right now, he's really the only way they could do it, I think, to take back $3 million in salary or something for yeah, him. In a in a kind of move like that, I mean, yeah, could a Ben Simmons trade have produced a savings of around $6 million? Sure. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah, but, a different. Animal. Yeah, but Seth Curry makes, you know, they've got the three guys making over 30 and they got Seth Curry. He's not going anywhere. And then you've got Maz at 4.6 and Niang at three. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like they would it would really be worth it there. I don't think there's, you know, would they want to give up two seconds to get out of the tax? I guess we, we could talk to briefly about just what they have in terms like second rounders. And, and you know, you mentioned some of those other guys who might be considered lower level assets. Philly owes their 22, 25 and 26 seconds. And the good news is that they have Charlotte's 23. Maybe a team is interested in that. I mean, it's it's probably more tantalizing than a Philly pick because we expect the Sixers to be good during the interim. And, you know, I, those young guys I mentioned, I think they're worthwhile sweeteners. You know, would the team have an interest in Bassey or Isaiah Joe? I don't think they're going to do something involving Matisse Thybul. I think that's kind of too big and too small a deal at the same time. But I wonder if teams would be interested. Like, Matisse Thybul is such a fascinating player because he does these very specific things really well and then he still has some specific flaws but that makes him that kind of makes him harder to trade yeah i think so thibault's an interesting one it doesn't seem like his offensive game is necessarily going to develop if you get a player that you want to run a bunch of pick and roll with it's kind of harder to work with him it's been hard to work with him for Embiid you know he'll start some games then he gets the Keith Bogans if there were a team that were really interested in him I, I might actually consider moving him if I were the Sixers but then they probably think hey if we're not gonna have Ben Simmons anymore we need him to really juice our defense he's their only guy on the perimeter that really moves the needle for them defensively it was green kind of having fallen off and also in terms of what they can trade first rounder wise they could trade a 22 or 23 first then they owe that first OKC from the Horford deal, which is top six protected in 25. So then they theoretically could do first available draft, which the other team would assume would happen in 27, or they could move a, a 28 as well. Uh, the 28 would be unfettered completely if they wanted to do that. So they could, in theory, the most number of picks that they could trade at once, though, would be two. Right. So yeah, I, I don't have much else on these guys. It's I know you and I did the Watfo of what the chances were that we thought Simmons would be traded by the deadline. Do you have an update on that of just what you, if you were going to handicap it right now, what you, what do you think the chances are they move Simmons? I'm going to go 55, 45 that they do. Oh, so you think the odds have increased compared to when we made this prediction out or whatever it was a month and a half ago. I, I do because Embiid has started playing better and maybe there I would be more optimistic about the window being open now. And I mean, I would say that the Nets aren't running and hiding especially with the injury and also like it doesn't seem like the Kyrie situation is changing anytime soon. He's been more definitive on that over the last little while than he had even been before. Yeah, so you said back on, actually just a month ago, you yeah. said 42% chance that Simmons is traded and I said 30% chance. I'm going to stick with that 30%. Okay. Let's get to the Celtics here. They had a nice bit of salary cap accounting to get off of Juancho Hernan Gomez's salary, and they are now less than a million above the tax. Is that correct? 
I believe so, yes. Um, depending on some incentives for Jalen Brown, him once he presumably does not make the all-star team. Uh, oh, we didn't do player most likely to be traded for the Sixers. Oh, I mean, I, I guess Ben Simmons, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, so, and then they've got some pretty big trade exceptions from their various deals that they've made over the last couple of years, going up to all the way up to $17.1 million. But since they're over the tax, it seems unlikely that they would just take a guy on for a team that's been mediocre and they are going to get out of the tax almost certainly that's a huge 10 million dollars in cash distribution that they're looking at because of the largesse of all these other teams there's an extremely easy way for them to do it and that involves trading pj dozier again dozier is injured so he can't help the celtics right now and they have enough cash i believe i believe the first cash they used in a deal was in the aforementioned three-way deal where they got off of that money include especially Juancho Hernan gomez so if they pay another team more than the amount that other team will have to pay pj dozier then it seems like that's pretty straightforward now there's not the roster spot crunch that there was maybe they have to give up something small as an asset but i think you could you can solve this problem with cash i think pretty cleanly maybe if you have to throw in a mediocre second you can do yeah. it but bull bull could be involved too if they wanted sure. to and maybe they, they could the offload rights. you know bruno fernando if they were like the, the celtics could actually do more of those style moves if they wanted to to if they were like if they're in the circumstance where they thought they could do better on the buyout market than some of the bottom guys in their roster spots but i think the juice your question for Brad Stevens now that he's you know head of the personnel guy is do they consider do they execute anything bigger than that I don't think this is the time to break up the Brown Tatum combo those guys are both incredibly talented they're both incredibly young we were we are recording this hours after Jason Tatum dropped 51 in 33 minutes on the Washington Wizards and you know that wasn't the greatest Jalen Brown performance but you have all that talent do you agree with me on that basic premise yeah, we've talked about that pretty extensively in the past that I just don't think it makes sense to move Jalen Brown. I, maybe if there are a team that's just going to go whole hog, four picks, three swaps, you might consider it. But Especially then you run if into it's the a team that for whatever reason has less bright of future. Like, I mean, but granted, if Memphis offered that, I think you, I think you seriously consider it even with their bright future. Yeah, and then what are you going to do if you do that? Then it's like, okay, what are you doing around Jason Tatum? You're you don't have any other real star player, no player with star potential. Yeah, having those picks is nice, but are you just what are you going to do? Just use them over the next seven years? And that doesn't do you much over the next two years when Jason Tatum has to, you're in theory trying to win around him. Um, he's hoping to evolve into a top 15, top 10 player that you can build around. Yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see a way really in which even if you trade for those assets that you then can turn those assets into a player who's going to help you more than Jalen Brown over the next two or three years. Um, and I don't, I also don't really see it if you're going to try to get into contention with this group. I don't think Jason Tatum and a bunch of really good role players who fit incredibly well, you know, Jason Tatum and the ensemble cast. I don't think that gets you there either. I think you just got to figure out a way to build around Brown and around Tatum. I agree completely. I guess the next stage down would probably be a deal involving Al Horford. Maybe. Yeah. Cause I mean, Josh Richardson and Marcus Smart signed extensions. So that gets thornier, obviously. Yeah. Smart now, I believe can be traded. And, and I believe Richardson can be as well before the deadline. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Richardson, uh, 
because his extension was only one year and it wasn't enough of a raise to trigger the Carmelo six months extension or six months ban of a trade after the extension. Yeah, that's a thought to me is would the Celtics just kind of trundling along here around 500 we've been waiting for them to go on a run they've been largely healthy here now that they had smart in the protocols they've had brown and tatum together now for about a solid month and haven't really shown a ton do the, would they want to maybe make this a consolidation year would they consider moving marcus smart who that extension kicks in it's four years 77 million i haven't been too impressed with what i've seen from marcus smart this year i also think he, he still is going to take some bad shots he and jalen brown seem to clash a fair amount i don't think he's been the same level of defensive difference maker that he's been in the past it's still very solid and capable of switching and you know one of the better defenders of his position but not someone who getting into his late 20s now has been had quite the spectacular impact as he had in the past i would if you were offered a first round pick and expiring contract for marcus smart would you take it i would yes i think so too i think so too i i'm just would am and, and i think just these guys have just been killed by their inability to make shots over the last couple of years and if you're gonna have tatum and brown and robert williams it would make more sense to get someone who is a a better passer and a better shooter at that position now of course they tried that with kemba walker and that we know how that turned out and it's not like that guy is available this free agent class if you let's say you get off a smart and then you can maybe get some room below the tax you do a sign and trade or or below the apron you do a sign and trade this offseason there's nobody who is like so sexy on the free agent market that i think is going to want to come there where you're like oh this guy is so much better than marcus smart you know are they do they want to sign joe ingles or something to come in and play with those two guys it wouldn't be a terrible fit actually but he's 34 is is that really going to be any better i guess you got the first round pick for smart but i think there is a feeling of just needing to get better shooting and passing around those guys and then hope that between those two and robert williams that your defense would be good enough it just there does there's starting to feel like not necessarily between tatum and brown but with some of the other guys that a move might need to be made dennis Schroeder, another guy who doesn't really seem to fit very well with his lack of passing and shooting so that's a, you know see what you can get for Schroeder, which you know is probably going to be in the a second rounder or something like that but he doesn't make much at least so uh, do you kind of consolidate around these guys a little bit try to pick up some assets maybe make another, another trade again in the offseason to get guys who fit better around them and just not really worry that much about this year I think you consider it mostly because I don't see the smart fit getting better. And so the kind of being out in front of it. And there also are so few teams that have cap space this coming year that a lot of times you would think that the way to do like if you wanted to move on from Marcus Smart would be to just do it in the 2022 offseason. And theoretically for a player who's already under contract, that could be a possibility. But those are those are in some ways harder trades to make than this. And I would be interested in whether like I mean, we've talked about a lot of other moves for somebody like the Cavs but would they be interested in something like you know using Ricky Rubio's expiring salary to get Marcus Smart who is a very talented player who makes almost exactly the same you know he makes roughly the same money as Ricky Rubio and it makes it harder to retain Sexton potentially but he and they don't necessarily need more defensive help but the idea that oh you could slide him into being the sixth man okay that's an interesting idea yeah I mean watching DeMar DeRozan completely destroy Cleveland's perimeter defense a few days ago did make you kind of worry that they could they could use somebody out out there yes 
they've they've got those bigs but someone like a kd or a, not that smart's necessarily going to guard kd but or derosen someone who can really attack from the mid-range or from the perimeter does they they're not very well equipped to guard that guy but again as we said in the cleveland section i would not be trying to trade it first but there are definitely teams out there that could use a, a defensive minded guard you would think and is i mean of course there's the possibility of going the other direction as well and trying to get better if they were to do that we don't need to get into too many specific names particularly because it doesn't seem like that's necessarily in the offing but what would they be trying to improve at here i mean i guess that same thing right shooting and passing right i think the idea would be the dream would be a primary creator who could function on and off ball they've tried that a couple times before but especially if you could get somebody who had more size you could do some more defensive versatile versatility stuff that you couldn't do with kemba and Kyrie. that would be great i would also love to see a movement shooter on this team just somebody who you know like more in the jj reddick mold somebody who's coming around screens who's bringing a little bit more motion more more defensive reaction into there I, I think the Sixers have you know they've missed that at times and I think the Celtics it would give them a little bit well, I mean they had that game I think that was on Friday where they didn't score in the last they didn't get a field goal in the last seven minutes of the game like you know getting somebody like that it draws attention it can create different seams in the defense it could help them yeah Al Horford I don't see necessarily a trade for him I think he just makes too much money and I don't think there's another team out there that would really be that excited especially Al, like Al his, his partial guarantee is really rough too because it's so 14.5 million yes it can increase if the team he ends up on makes the finals or wins the title but that's a lot of money you know and the celtics aren't necessarily interested in trading horford for a player who is making his money and it's fully guaranteed because then that gives them a lack of flexibility for next offseason too yeah and al's his three-point shot like so many celtics has deserted him so far this year's under 30 percent from three which i don't know how much you want to read into that but generally if you're trading for someone you're you'd like them to shoot over 30 percent for three since that stretch element is, is part of the appeal there we it seems talking, like it's sorry yeah. we, were t- we were talking about buying for them just as a note the celtics have all their own firsts and no extras they do owe a bunch of seconds uh 23 24 25 and 27 they have a couple of bonus ones but portland's 23 is probably the juiciest of those they also have, as seemingly has been the case for a while now, they have a bunch of young guys that if they wanted to include them, maybe teams would be interested in Neesmith or Lankford or, I mean, Grant Williams says, like, those guys are interesting, but it's, are they the centerpiece? Are they a sweetener? That all gets to be a challenge. And Stevens has a lot of options because they have a lot of those type of players. They have mid, some middle salaries in, in Smart and Richardson. And then they also have the mysterious element of Dennis Schroeder, who it seems like everybody expects to be traded because he makes $5.9 million. Non-bird rights are, it doesn't seem like he is going to be long for the Celtics. So it's the idea of like, well, if he's not helping you that much now and you're probably not going to retain him, then you might as well make a move. But that requires another team giving you something of value. And I don't have a great like fit for him that's like oh this this is a mutually beneficial trade yeah and if you're if you're just offered a second would you do you want to you just dump him or or you want to hold on to him I mean, they don't really have i guess Peyton pritchard will just play more in that case so but i mean if you can get i would say a first for smart i would look to do that probably hold on to the others i don't see that there's another trade out there that gets them some big asset and that maybe then you can try to trade for a starter in the offseason particularly if you can get an expiring contract for smart or maybe there's someone who's just a more traditional two guard type of player what about like smart for norman powell i don't think portland is in the right place for that because 
you know, Smart's owed a lot of money over a long time, and that's committing to a player who you don't know if he fits your vision because you have no idea what the hell your vision is. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul's owed a lot of money too. That's true. <laughs> Smart, Smart can at least guard some guard some threes, but th- that might be the type of move you'd be thinking of, of just someone who's a little bit better. Not that Norman Paul is not exactly helping your team passing necessarily, uh, but, but just for a, a different sort of starter or you go expiring contract and, and a first would be your hope. And I, I would do certainly the latter type of deal. Uh, most likely to be traded. We Sadly, we didn't do this before Hernan Gomez got traded because I think both of us would have said him. For me, it's Shooter, PJ, probably PJ, the guy. PJ Dozier. Uh, see, I think they would rather trade Bull and keep Dozier, but uh, and potentially yeah. his bird rights, right? Yeah, that's potentially interesting. Um, I'm going to say Shooter. Okay. Let's go to the New York Knicks now. Where are they financially? The Knicks are over the cap, but they're way under the tax. So they have that kind of flexibility. However, they don't really have the capacity to take on deals. They don't have any significant trade exceptions. And they, so it's basically just, you know, they could make a move theoretically trading one of their players and taking back more money than they send out. But that's really all they have tools for. The Knicks have all their own first plus that protected Dallas pick, which could convey as early as 2023. Um, And then they have a bunch of extra seconds, the juiciest of which are the 23 and 24 seconds of the Detroit Pistons. That is interesting if you had the right place to, you know, the right place to focus it because the expectation is that the Pistons will not be good in at least the first, but possibly both of those years. My fundamental question with the Knicks is, is there anything they should want to do at this juncture? I think they're, I think the Knicks might have an evaluation point within the next six to seven months, but I don't know that that point is now. Yeah, they made their reddish deal already. Derrick Rose, in theory, will be back at some point soon to maybe help them make a slight improvement this year. I'm not really sure, though. They'd love to get a three in here, but the improved play of rj barrett maybe they're going to try to reorient around him a little bit more maybe getting a better center in they've been linked to miles turner that would probably be my maybe my biggest focus i think turner would be a pretty big fit there and uh and i do think we've talked about the potential that miles turner might not be available for the playoffs if uh, that foot issue doesn't improve or he comes back and regresses or he's not playing that well i don't think that matters as much though to the knicks this year because they're just not really going to be that great regardless they're still trying to build for the future and so i do like the fit of turner and randall and rj barrett even Derek rose going forward and so it's not the end of the world if, especially if you can get him for a lower price if turner can't play this year but i think he would probably be my main target i, I don't know i, I think like, actually Jakob pertle would be a very interesting fit here the, some of the same young centers we talked about for charlotte i, I think might be a possibility here i don't know that i think uh christian wood would be a great fit for these guys with tom thibodeau defensively maybe tibbs could get more out of him as he has frankly with nerland Noel, and, and that wood could give them some juice in the offensive end that maybe he could be a buy low guy uh they they did give up one of the extra first round picks that they have to acquire radish and they're going to also going to want to see what they have with him because he'll be extension eligible this offseason i agree with you it does seem to be kind of trending towards not being a big deadline other than the center position it does but i find the knicks compelling at the deadline because if they want to be active the knicks have more deal structure than a lot of teams because they have a lot of different sweetener players and picks you know would they consider including obi toppin or manual quickly or even 
Quentin Grimes in a deal. All of those are possible. And maybe a team is really interested in one or more of those of those gentlemen. They also have a lot of kind of middle middle of the ground salaries. So Burks and Noel, neither of those guys expires this year. But, you know, 10 million ish for next year is reasonable. I would say that's in the ballpark for those guys if they're if they're healthy enough to play, which um, Noel yeah. has been less this year. And then there's also like in the idea of sweeteners and everything else, the question with Mitchell Robinson, where I agree with you that the most likely position where the Knicks would look for an upgrade is at center. Mitchell Robinson is ex- simultaneously extension eligible, but also a pending unrestricted free agent. So would you consider either in the same move or a different move, depending on what your trade partner is interested in, moving Mitchell Robinson? Because let's say you acquire Miles Turner. I don't think Mitchell Robinson would be too thrilled to sign up to play to be his backup. Yeah. Now, of course, they also have Nerlens Noel making, well, pretty close to starter money for the center position for this year next. and. and- so he'll be around next year more likely you would think as a backup and they just they have to get better offensively at the center position as well like noel has been very solid defensively but i think this year has proven that julius randall is not that guy as far as just being able to hit a ton of difficult iso mid-range jumpers even if the center can't do anything offensively yeah but i think robinson because it doesn't seem like they've been able to come to an agreement on an extension he will be unrestricted as you noted and yeah it might make sense to move him i don't think he has first round value but maybe if you add a that dallas first in with him that might be able to get you something and now of course if a team were to trade for him they could not extend him which would make things a little bit more difficult but there right. could at least be an understanding that but, you might want but to also full bird rights are you know you could get to a de facto agreement sort of like it seems like the blazers did with norman powell who we just talked about where right you can any has a low cap hold for next right. year as so, well if you're if you're a room team you could use that room hold on to his cap hold and then sign a new new deal that's certainly possible there are also like a lot of teams this coming season that are in that boat where they have they don't have cap space only f- i believe four teams depending on how things shake out will but there are a fair amount that could end up with with that wiggle room under the tax and for those teams robinson could be at least a flyer now if you have to pay significantly more than flyer prices i think a lot of teams would be less interested but you know that that the knicks willingness to trade him probably depends on if they make another move yeah and i'm sure new york would love to move on from evan fournier who's making about 18 million the next two years after this one and then has a team option after that especially with the way that quentin grimes has emerged they still want to get more of a look at emmanuel quickly as well you would think although it seems like if quickly is really gonna pop they'll have to play a more point guard where he doesn't necessarily have quite the passing vision or ability to attack the rim i think to be a full-time starter he kind of profiles more as a third guard to me but i think they'll want to get a look at him they'll want to get a good a look at reddish I think even Alec Burks, who's played well this year, is someone that I would make available if I were the Knicks, because the the reality is they're just not really going anywhere this year. And I think finding out whether these young, letting RJ Barrett cook a little bit more as well would be useful. Now, I don't think anyone's going to want 48. Burks is someone who I think could help another team. And he only has one year left after this one that's guaranteed at $10 million. And then he has a team option after that. And I think he's played to that salary so far this season. But, you know, those those seem like deals where it would be for an expiring contract. I don't think any of those players that I mentioned, either they're negative value or they're not. I wouldn't say they necessarily have first-round value. Hey, Kemba Walker could even be someone that they might look to move. Who He's on a totally normal deal now. He might even be a team that 
that's interested in him is you know kind of a third guard who could close uh, playing playing kind of the Derrick Rose role rather than the starter role but for some other team <laughs> you know coming off the bench but maybe closing uh so I, they have kind of some useful guys none of whom are so amazing and I think it's oh, just, you, wait, really just be, quickly yeah. you know a team yeah. that could benefit from his creation and potentially handle that the Indiana Pacers depending on what they want to do huh yeah, and I think none of these guys other than Fournier are bad contracts. I, I have a feeling Rose isn't going to be going anywhere. They just, they love him too much. And uh, so, yeah, I, it doesn't feel like they would do anything, but they have plenty of like okay-ish contracts, as you mentioned at the outset of our discussion. But I, I, I think I would love to get a look at, they, they brought back these guys who played well, none of them other than Fournier are on bad contracts, but they're still around 500. Maybe they can surge in the second half as Thibodeau teams tend to do but if it were me i would say all right you know what yeah we're not gonna relive last year and we're the four seed if we move on for some of these vets and play the young guys we're really gonna be that much worse and we can also get a look at some of those guys like reddish for example quickly grimes miles mcbride maybe could get some tick as well so i would make all these guys available and see what's out there you know could you get a first round pick if you traded both burks and walker together would that be realistic those sorts of trades when you trade two guys neither of whom would net you a first that i've always wanted to teams to do that or like hey maybe these two guys could add up to a first doesn't really seem like those trades ever particularly seem to happen so i think i'm about to spend on these guys i i don't really have and, much to say and along those lines i don't have a good idea of most likely to be traded i guess i'll go with nerlands just because the most likely move is a center and that just makes him so superfluous that he could be salary in that deal oh who do i think is most likely to be traded on this team i'm gonna go kemba okay that makes some sense he does have a second guaranteed year but so does nerlands yeah what? i mean let's not forget when Rose was healthy, he was completely out of the rotation. He might want to just be. I know sure. he had some big games after that, but Tibbs seems really down on his defense and down on his inability to play uh, 45 minutes a game every night. Let's go to the Toronto Raptors, the kind of the building blocks there. The Raptors at this moment are barely under the tax. I would suspect that they don't want to pay it this year. So even though the Raptors have a couple of small trade exceptions, 4.8 from the Kyle Lowry trade and a couple other small ones from other deals, I only expect those to use those if they had off loaded money in another deal and the most likely way that they would do that would be a trade involving yet another point guard who is sort of like de facto on the market and that is Goran Dragic Dragic basically just on the Iguodala program though it didn't necessarily start that way and making 19.4 million this year pending unrestricted free agent so it's not I, I think that's out there but the more interesting place to start with the Raptors is at various moments in time we've talked about whether they should blow it up whether they will blow it up and they've had this hotter stretch recently where is your temperature on that right now yeah we talked about this uh, when we did their gamer against the Mavs last week that I think they have shown enough intrigue here with Siakam Van Vliet Ananobi Trent Scotty Barnes as a, a five-man core that I think trying to build around that get two three more solid players continue to use that great development system that they have I think that's something I would want to pursue uh, there was thought that Pascal Siakam could be available he's now played better 
and might still be a little bit overpaid on that contract, but he also seems to be doing better now that he has the shoulder surgery. They got a good coach in there. And yeah, you know, I don't, do I see championship contender in this core's future? Maybe not, but Fred Van Vliet is now playing at an all-star level and they're all young enough that I think you, it's worth riding this out and seeing where this goes. And maybe they, they feel Scotty Barnes could as superstar upside if he can develop his offensive game. So yeah, I wouldn't want to trade any of those main guys. I don't believe they're going to be looking at that. So it, it seems like avoiding the tax and you know maybe moving on from Dragic I'm just not sure he makes so much and he's not even playing for them it seems like that's inevitably going to be a buyout situation unless they wanted to trade him and take on more money for next year and what would be a a move to kind of save money I don't see this group doing that necessarily either because they're already pretty close to the cap for next year so they don't want to add more salary that's around Dragic's number going forward for next year I'm really they've played it's interesting that the idea that they've played well has made them less likely to make a trade but I think that's the case I think it's the case too and I would be listening on Siakam and Freddie All-Star and maybe less so on OG and Gary Trent by by the way you remember you remember when I had that long rant about how I really hated that they called him Freddie All-Star is there a reason that that inspired you to start calling him Freddie All-Star on this podcast I am many things, but the first one of them is being a troll. So, I, I, I yes, of course it did. And I, I, I thought you cared about me. I thought you really had well, my best interest. This at is heart. my way of making. I it was vulnerable to I, you. I, I, well, I didn't comment too much on it at the time. I have basically. After the game after that, which I watched the Raptors feed, I basically haven't watched the Raptors feed since. So I need to get my Freddie All-Star another way, and that is by saying it myself to you, because I'm not just going to say it to someone else, because that just seems mean. Um, I, I, I made myself vulnerable to you and... and uh to really really two nations <laughs> by saying how much that annoyed me yeah. and i i, I, I expected I not to have not. be taken advantage of <laughs> but but so, I, I so guess that with, was too with high Vliet, expectation with van vliet and siakam i can imagine a scenario where if i were in messiah's shoes i would trade them however i don't expect that to happen partially because the teams that van vliet could help the most don't really have that many assets like i, I think he could do a world of good for a team like the lakers but the lakers don't have much matching salary they also don't i mean i don't think you is going to be in love with Taylor Horton Tucker for example so you I listen just because why not they're not untradeable very few players in the league are and I don't think anybody sees those gentlemen as the missing piece so you do that and then with, with Dragic I'm a little bit more up I would be a little bit more open to taking on salary at least for next year because unless they're considering doing like a you know trading Van Vliet to a cap space team or something like that which if they were I could see him as a wonderful fit with like the Pistons or something else Outside of that scenario, they're probably going to have, let's call it 10 to 15 million in space that they're not really going to use because you, you know, if you're, if you're functioning as an over the cap team, you have the mid level and that's, you know, and then, you know, you can retain your guys bird rights and all that. And that's kind of a, that's kind of it. And so getting a 10 to $15 million, it's kind of like the second mid-level exception concept that you get somebody for that. I don't have somebody as that lined up as like a perfect fit for it, but if it were like a one year deal before everything kind of, you have to sort everything out. I think it's not the worst idea in the world. It wouldn't preclude me from getting a superior player. Let's put it that way. Well, so let's, let's go to this. If you were the Raptors, whether it's with Dragic or with something else, what would you be looking for? What type of a player? I'm assuming you don't have a specific target, but like what, what, what do you think they need the most? Yeah, I think someone who either someone who can really shoot the ball, but Trent kind of falls in there, but you know, backup shooting guard type of guy, 
And also someone who maybe could fit into a 3 and D sort of role, a Danny Green type. I was I was thinking about it because Dragic is kind of the the guy that it seems like Dallas might be looking for just because he and Doncic are kind of buddies. Although you know, Dragic and Jalen Brunson are pretty similar sort of players. But, you know, maybe the Mavericks, they have Dwight Powell and Reggie Bullock who make about the same as Dragic does, but they also have money for next year. If you were Toronto, would you just take on Dwight Powell and Reggie Bullock for next year just to have them as potentially guys who'd be better than what you could do in free agency? That that would be, we don't need to get into that too deeply, but that might be the only sort of deal I could see where it's guys like, all right, you know, maybe they're a little bit overpaid, but they, they could possibly help us. Dwight, Howard, Dwight Powell's Canadian. That, that sort I, of I, w- I would not do that deal, even though I think Reggie Bullock will play better than he has so far for the Mavs. He can't shoot worse than he has so far overall for no. them but it's that's too that's too much to take on in my eye yeah and actually Bullock also has a, a guarantee in the third year of that he deal does. that he signed last summer and oh and also has a five percent trade bonus Danny mm-hmm. um also for Toronto Chris Boucher will be an unrestricted free agent after this year and it's making seven million this year he may not necessarily be in their plans going forward since they already have Kem Birch uh, as well who's making seven million basically the next two years after this one they also have precious achua who you know i guess is in their plans at center going forward getting a, a longer term center option would be something that i'd be looking for Jakob pertle's name has been floated as someone that they might be interested in I, as I'd, well I'd love i think them, yeah i'd love them having a credible stretch five option you know even if it's a more limited defensive player they have so many talented defenders on this team i think it would be having somebody who could just absolutely shoot would be fun it would be i guess when you think about their long-term structure though ananobi Barnes and Siakam are also good that the only way you the only reason it's the only way to be worth acquiring a center would be if you're just going to play Ananobi at the two going forward which I know they've done in a few games but they've done that with Trent out but they really just don't have enough shooting or it could be or it could be somebody who could mesh in if they eventually trade Siakam that was kind of the idea for me yeah or or simply frankly if one of those three guys is injured which might be the case as we've seen throughout this year you're not always going to have all three of those guys healthy but you could have more of a contingent plan than someone like birch or achua available i mean if you're gonna acquire purtle you're gonna give up a future first if you're the raptors for Jakob purtle yeah i think i would i like purtle a lot yeah if they had more of a need at center to because you're definitely not gonna have him closing games and you're fully healthy i don't think i might consider it like i i think there are some teams where it would be worth giving up a first for Jakob purtle i just don't know if it's this team is that i still am desperately curious to see what this starting lineup could look like in the long term and I think that's a big part of what the rest of this year is going to so be about. They, sorry, yeah. I have one to throw at you. Okay. For dra- this is a Dragic trade. What about Malik Beasley? Beasley, not a perfect player by any means, but he only has one more guaranteed year, $15.6 million for next year. The, he He's not superfluous on the Wolves, but I think they could actually be a cap space team if they moved him, and Dragic could be a part of the rotation. And then for the for the Raps, it's like adding Malik Beasley to the rotation. You don't need him to start, but he's just another option. Yeah, they could use that microwave score type on the second unit. Yeah, that might not be bad. Uh, do the Wolves need another point guard? I think they would enjoy not having another fifteen point six million on their books and depth Next for year. when yeah. for when Russell and or Beverly is unavailable. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that that sort of a player, just a, a kind of a more normalish shooting guard. Now, some in Toronto might say, "Hey, maybe maybe you should try to develop Steve McCallick a little bit more." Malachi Flynn you don't necessarily need to play only seven players every game Nick Nurse that that might be a a refrain as well we don't necessarily have to get more guys in here 
It's I, I if I had to guess though, I think it's going to be a pretty quiet deadline for these guys, and I would also guess that Dragic ends up getting bought out personally. I still think he's the most likely to be traded because I don't I don't have another clear cut guy. While the Raptors are another one of these teams that could benefit from trading away, you know, like the little bit of savings that would happen if you traded away a minimum guy and then just sign a rest of the season one. There isn't a clear cut player there. Maybe Isak Bonga is the guy that you could you could do for the that you could do that and then just get a buyout guy who helps you. But meh. The Raptors kept him over Sam Decker and Ish Wainwright for a reason, presumably. Another team that is going to presumably make oh, some of those... And my, my lo- most likely to be traded is Dragic as yeah, well, by the way. It kind of has to be. So another team that will make similar deals to the structure I just mentioned is the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are a hilarious $35 million into the tax... So that is a just astronomical yeah. luxury tax bill. The tax payment as of right now would be 109 million. Oh. And but if they let's say they moved Javon Carter, they would save over 15 million dollars. <laughs> right? It's basically five five dollars per dollar at the the place that they are right now in terms of the tax. So, they, but it, your problem is. Here is their salary structure. Harden, 44. Durant, 42. Kyrie, 35. Joe Harris, 17. Some disturbing comments about Joe Harris t- today that he's been having a lot of setbacks per uh, Steve Nash. That that might make it more likely that Joe gets traded. Patty Mills, 5.9. He's not going anywhere. Bruce Brown, 4.7. Can block a trade if he wants to, although he might actually want to go somewhere else. I don't think so, though. I think he's still the best fit here. And then you get to Carter at, at 3.7, and he's not in the rotation. And then they've got all rookie-ish and minimum contracts after that so i think that's just important because i think one of their biggest things that they'll be looking to do is save money and so keeping in mind what everyone's salary is is important for sure and also a reminder that while brooklyn would save a lot of money in many of these deals including finding a home for paul Millsap, which shamstrani has already reported they're interested in doing well and paul Millsap seems more interested well, in well, yeah. paul Millsap seems more interested in doing it. the problem is you don't save that full amount because you have to presumably replace that player on the roster so let's say you save about half of it maybe a little bit more than that but that is still significant savings for the for the Brooklyn Nets so I expect to see at least some of those a challenge for yeah, Brooklyn. Also worth noting too, they could just move Millsap and then not sign anyone until later because they yes. do have 15 players on the roster sure. right now. So they could they could chill with 14, maybe even go down to 13 for two weeks. They could do that dance as well if they wanted to. They could, and um, especially they also might actually be interested in promoting either Kessler Edwards or David Duke Jr. Because remember, two ways cannot play in the playoffs. So I think just opening up a spot Edwards to me seems the more likely of those he's he's had some moments lately that they would actually want him on the playoff roster so that's that's a a possibility as well sure and there are benefits to to opening up those additional spots and potentially saving saving a lot of money the unfortunate thing for the nets is that they don't have a lot of sweeteners they have it seems like the young players they have in cam thomas and dayron sharp who they drafted in the first round seems like they're both going to stick around and nick claxton has been largely unavailable he is a pending restricted free agent so like and that restricted free agency could be expensive for the nets even if claxton hasn't had the best year but brooklyn doesn't have i mean so they owe first in 22 24 and 26 plus they have three swaps on top of that so it's very difficult for them to do anything with the first and they only have one second round pick between now and 2028 so not many sweeteners yeah and let's also remember that they spent every red cent of their cash to dump deandre jordan on the pistons that's right they can trade a first however uh they can trade a 2028 first round pick if they would like to that's it you mentioned they're low on seconds and they probably would have to be a second to move on from carter as far as what they need, 
someone who can guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. Blake Griffin is kind of too bad offensively at this point in time. They brought in James Johnson to hopefully do that. He he also really struggles. Claxton is too thin. Dayron Sharp isn't ready yet you would think so i'm not sure who that player is though in terms of guys who are about to be free agents so on the buyout market just doesn't seem like there's anyone that i'm particularly enamored of who might be able to do that and maybe like tristan thompson on the buyout market again like he just can't he's not a good pick and roll partner though for harden they they got some issues with this roster and then also what what the deal is with harris like is harris gonna have to go back under the knife again like is he gonna not be available the rest of the year like he's had all these setbacks that's a concern um another option Option would be just moving Harris you know there's there are probably teams that would want Harris going forward even if he may not be as available this year because he can shoot as well as he can and I guess but what are you going to bring in Harris is a pretty good fit already with what they've got but would Harris in a first could that bring in someone one of these other players like would that do get you Jeremy Grant it's hard because a lot of the teams that have the players that make the biggest difference for the Nets aren't trading those players because they're a good team there aren't too many great fits for this you brought up jeremy grant and so like i don't think joe harris does as much for the pistons as he does for someone else i mean they could certainly use someone like that but yeah he's he's older as well so i don't think so although i like we were talking about with the lakers wouldn't be i might be more interested in an unprotected 28 nets pick than some of these you know a pick in the 20s this year even if it is so far away that unprotected who knows where these guys are going to be i think they're a good organization but you know if they re-sign james harden and kd is probably not gonna be around six years from now you're gonna guess or won't be that good if he is and they've traded away all their i mean because that's the other beauty of this danny is if you get their 28 pick they've already traded away so many picks before that you think they're pretty good bet to be bad at that point the cupboard will be pretty damn bare would be the yeah. best now they the can get case. guys in free agency again and all that but that, that, does, that seems like it's not necessarily the way things work as much anymore and they're not you typically you get those players when you're already good unless you're bringing them all together on a blank canvas like the heat did and brooklyn could do that but the timing of it and everything else is gonna be hard i mean and yeah. who knows no, they might they, even they might even just have some of these guys brought back and they'll be just they'll be just bottoming out at that point yeah i mean that is kind of interesting to as a sales pitch of like hey our draft picks worth a lot because we already traded away other draft picks that, that that's an interesting sales pitch so I, I don't know if anyone would bite on that i i I might be a little compelled by that if, if I could get my hands on that 28 pick. But yeah, I, I think the number one thing they need is just more shooting. Or I guess probably number one is Sony Guardianis. Number two is more shooting. Those are the two things that I would be looking for. And Joe Harris helps you with one of those. I think if Harris comes back between he and Mills, you feel pretty decent about the shooting. But I'm just, man, like LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton. Oof. I mean, I guess you're just hoping to outscore him in the road games <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Yeah, Claxton being moved, it might be a, another possibility. Would another team put first-round value on him? He's just so thin and also has struggled to stay healthy. I don't think another team would be, like, wanting to acquire him as a center of the future. I don't know. I yeah, mean, he could be a piece he, that he would help. He might be a little bit squeezed by the free agent market, but he'll be closer to properly paid as a restricted free agent than he is right now. Yeah, and I think Claxton helps them in a lot of matchups, just not necessarily the Bucks matchup right or or actually the uh the Sixers matchup he also is uh not gonna help him too much either but I, I think they could take care of Philly unless Philly makes some big change I think it's the Bucks and Miami that that they're worried about actually I like Claxton as a pretty decent matchup against Miami I do too I, I like his quickness there most likely to be traded I'm gonna go with Millsap especially because there's already reporting yeah 
Yeah, I think that that seems likely. Uh, the other one being Carter. I, I would be very surprised either of them were on the roster after the deadline. All right, well, hopefully you enjoyed this look into what we've been doing here on Dunkdown Prime. A little different than our normal 15 and 60, but we'll be back uh, all this week. What game are we doing for the NBA cast tomorrow? We will be doing Knicks Cavs, which is a 7 Eastern, oh, yeah. 4 Pacific start. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Can't wait to lock in on the Cavs for the first time this year. Get a look at Evan Mobley and Garland. Yeah, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. So you, if you're an NBA League Pass subscriber, you could join us there. Just click on the game and uh, watch. It's called the NBA Strategy Stream. Now, we've actually have changed up the name for it. So that's exciting. Hopefully it explains to people a little bit more what it is. We talk a lot about the strategy on those casts. And yeah, check out if you are not yet a subscriber or if you are a monthly subscriber, that excellent deal for total access, the sale in honor of the mock trade deadline. Talk to you all again soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.